All right, well, let me dive in straight away. Uh, it is not going to be a long message. Um, it's going to be short, actually. It's, uh, it's kind of like what Britney Spears said to her first husband. You won't be around long. <laughs> uh, but let me just, uh, before I get too far into it, I, I heard a story recently uh, about this lady who walked up to this little old man sitting on a rocking chair. And he was just rocking back and forth on his porch. And he just looked so happy. He had this big, huge smile on his face. And she walked up to him. She said, okay. I've got to know the secret. What is the secret of having this long, healthy, happy life that you have? He goes, I'll tell you the secret right now. Write it down if you have to. I drink a case of whiskey a week. I have three packs of cigarettes a day. I only eat fatty foods and I refuse to work out. She said, you're kidding me. You look great. How old are you anyway? He says, I'm 26. (laughs) Most of us in this room, uh, when somebody guesses our age, we, we get this, it's the best moment of our day when they guess our age to be younger than what we are, right? It's just like, I love you now. Um, it, it, it just takes one time where somebody guesses older than what you are, and it's just like your whole day just went right down the drain. <laughs> Have you ever gone fishing for it, where somebody says, hey, how old are you? And you go, how old do I look? <laughs> and, and you're just crossing your fingers. You're hoping you still, you know, you got the, the fountain of the youth is still squirting somewhere in your soul. Um, but we, we all like that. I'm, my message this morning is this. You look much better than what you've been through. You look much better than what you've been through. Look at the person next to you and say, you look better than what you've been through. You look better than what you've been through. Let me, sh- let me tell you why this, this is the, the message that I've chosen to share today. Uh, when Jesus was crucified, uh, the amount of torture that they inflicted on him is unspeakable. They said that his body was unrecognizable by the time they got done. I'm not going to go into graphic detail. We, most of us know the story. They whipped him on his back until his flesh hung off his bones. They took a crown of thorns and they rammed it onto his head. They dragged him through the city and paraded him around Everyone who would view, they mocked him, they jeered at him, they took a handful of his beard and ripped it off. Um, They hung him on a cross, they took a spear and rammed it into his side, literally tortured him to the best of their ability and then watched him die. The part that I want to spend a little bit of time on this morning is When they put him in the grave, three days later he came out and he showed up to Mary Magdalene. 
But when Mary Magdalene looked at him, she didn't recognize him. All the bruises, all the scars, all the cuts, all the gashes, all the blood, it was all gone. She just thought he was another man in the garden. She didn't recognize him. And, but when she did recognize him, she freaked out. She was like, oh my goodness, it's you, Jesus, it's you. And the reason why she didn't recognize him is because he did not look like what he had been through. There were two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. They were talking to each other. And Jesus comes walking right up on them. And he starts having a conversation with them. Just a few hours after the resurrection, the disciples looked right at him, started talking to him, didn't recognize him because he did not look like what he had been through. See, there is this divine exchange that God does. It's it's almost mind-boggling how he does it. You see, there's a moment in everyone's life where they have to make this decision. Is Jesus going to be my king? Is he going to be the one I'm going to serve? When you decide to make him your Lord and your Savior, a divine change, an interaction, an exchange takes place. In Isaiah chapter 61, you can read about it. But what he does is, is he shows up and he sees the state of your heart. He sees the, the state of your spirit. And he knows that there has been moments in your life that has just burnt to ashes. Relationships, finances. Um, he sees it. And if you've ever been through those seasons, it just feels like everything that you cared about is ashes. And what he does in some miraculous way that I can't explain is he begins to take ashes and give you beauty for it. He, he looks at a person who has sorrow in their life where there's been loss and and he says, I've got joy and you are my son and you are my daughter. I'm going to give you joy and I'm going to take away your sorrow. Doesn't mean that you're never going to be sad again, but, but sorrow is deeper than sadness, isn't it? Amen. Sorrow is when you live your whole life acting like everything is okay when it isn't. Sorrow is when you sit in a room full of people and you still feel alone. Sorrow is when you have lived your whole life trying to cover up insecurities, worries, and fears, trying to pose as somebody who is very confident and sure. Sorrow usually starts off when you're young. Sorrow sets in. He says, you are my son. You are my daughter. There's a divine exchange. You're not going to feel anything most of the time. There's no goosebumps or anything. There's just a divine exchange. And you see somebody who you haven't seen in years. And they see that you're full of joy. And he had traded, he exchanged joy for sorrow. And all of a sudden, you don't look like what you've been through. It's just how he does it. It's just how he does it. You know, there's a term called heaviness, which seems very vague. Heaviness which just seems like you're down or depressed. If you've never fought depression, let me tell you about it. I have fought it. Many times, many seasons, many weeks, many months, many days. I have fought it so many times. We know each other by name. Uh, depression is when you want to lay in bed and not ever get out. 
Depression is when you can stare at a wall and just not be looking at anything. Depression is when you wonder what good is going to come in the future because everything that's happening stinks and you see no hope of anything changing. You know, that that is an actual spirit. Did you know that? That's not feelings or emotions. It's a spirit. The Bible says it's a spirit of heaviness. In the great exchange, as he shows up and he says, you are my daughter. You are my son. And I'm going to, I'm going to exchange for you. I'm going to give you a spirit of praise. Did you know what you were doing a minute ago when you were praising God? Did you know that that's a spirit that's on you that makes you praise and makes you, you just can't help it. I mean, even people without rhythm are. I get so embarrassed when the worship team starts telling us to clap because I'm like, and I'm like, I am so white, so embarrassing, I'm just terrible, just, but, but do you know that it, even if you sound like a frog in a bucket, it, there is a spirit of praise. Spirit of, I'm going to take, I'm going to take away that spirit of heaviness and I'm going to give you a spirit of praise. It's the great exchange. You come in heavy and you leave praising. You will walk out of these doors today feeling a little bit taller and a little bit lighter. I don't care what the scale says. Your scale's broke anyway. Have you ever stood on the scale and it's too big and so I got to do that again? Let me do that a third time. Do it a fourth time. But if you step on it the first time and it's real low, it's go, it's good, it's good, it's good. It's just, there's this great exchange where the Lord has this way of making you feel lighter and taller. And, and what he's done is he's taken your burdens and he's saying, I'll carry this. You carry my burdens because I don't have any burdens. It's this great exchange. Let me tell a quick story out of the Word of God, out of the Bible. In Luke chapter 17, there were ten lepers. And Jesus came upon them, and it reads like this in Luke chapter 17. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As He entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master! Have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? You know, when you have leprosy, you are alive, but you're dead. You're you're dead internally and you're dead externally. Because when you have leprosy, especially in those days, uh, you can't live with uh, normal civilization. You... Uh, you have to be separate. You have to be outside of town. And even when you come walking up on people, you have to shout out, leprosy, leprosy, unclean, unclean. And they, they just back out of the way and let you walk by because it was so contagious. 
you know, someone who has leprosy in those days, they didn't get invited to come over the house. They've never been invited to a restaurant. They don't receive birthday cards. They don't know what it feels like to be hugged or held. They don't know what it feels like to hold a baby. When you have leprosy, you're expelled from civilization and you have to stay outside of the city. These ten lepers, uh, somebody mentioned a man named Jesus. If you let me just put a little bit, give me some poetic liberty here and fill in some blanks. Somebody told him about Jesus. I don't know who it was, but somebody told him about Jesus. And this man named Jesus, he's not prejudiced. Doesn't matter if you're a Samaritan or a Jew. It doesn't matter what color you are. He has no favorites. And, and even if you're a leper, you're not unclean to him. In fact, he actually hugged lepers. And, and he actually healed them. These ten lepers went up to Jesus. Jesus healed all ten of them. Now, if you were the leper, where would you go first? Home. Get You want to go home and imagine being the child or the daughter playing out in the front yard and you see daddy running down the street or the dirt road. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. Mom comes out of the back because she's been carrying the burden of all the kids, taking care of the kids, bringing home the finances, paying the bills, doing the laundry, doing the work all by herself. Many of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. Doing it all alone, she comes running up to her husband, touching his face, touching his ears. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so I'm so glad you're back. How did this happen? It was a man named Jesus. So you're not going to believe it. In fact, if if somebody were to sit down and talk with that leper who is healed and they've never met him before, he would say, "You don't know how lonely the nights were. You don't know. You don't know how suicidal I was. You have no idea how depressed I was. You have no idea." My nose had leprosy and it was falling. My ears, my fingers, my skin just looked like dry soap. And they would say to them, wow, it's amazing because you don't look like what you've been through. Jesus has this way of exchanging. So what I love uh, about church is, is that everybody brushes their teeth before they come. And if you didn't, I have some in my office. You'll have to use it. You can keep the brush, but for all that's good and holy, morning breath can lay a dinosaur down, right? <laughs> but we come and we wear our, our, our nice clothes and we put on a pretty smile and, and I'm looking at all of you right now and, And some stranger could look at you and go, your life is just perfect. Your life is just perfect. Look at you. How many shoes do you have? How much clothes do you have? When you opened up your closet, you had to pick out what, 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 I have so much clothes. I have to hang them on hangers. I have so much clothes. I got drawers full of clothes. You are so lucky. I bet you, you just walk up to a little box on your wall and go like, I want it to be 72 degrees. Your, your life is so perfect. 
Look at you. You're so perfect. You got your, you got your cologne, your hair did, your nails. You're so perfect. And we got a cross outside that we have flowers on. And, and many of you will take family pictures in front of that cross. And, and somebody could look at that family picture and go, look at this perfect family. Everything is just perfect in their life. And you would stop that person and you would say, I don't look like what I've been through. See, some of us grew up with a father that did not do his best. Some of us grew up with a mother that hurt us. Some of us know what it feels like to work a budget with pennies and dollars. Some of us walk down an aisle to take the hand of a, a, a wedded wife or a wedded husband and they betrayed us. Some of us have been through some hurt and some pain. And if you haven't, I've been through enough for the both of us. Been through hurt and been through pain. And so many of you have learned how to have the white knuckle anointing where you just squeeze and hang on and wait for the season to pass. Is there anyone here who has the white knuckle anointing? You just hang on and wait for the season to pass. You don't know how it started. You don't know when it's going to end. And you don't know how to stop it. So you just hang on. And then somebody would walk up to you and go, your life is so perfect. And you could say back to him, I don't look like what I've been through. Have you ever sat down and started telling somebody your story and then you're thinking to yourself, I better not share that part. <laughs> There's certain parts of our story we'll never share. <laughs> Are you with me? There, it's just, it's too, it's too human. It was too mistake filled. It's too much. But God has this way of coming in and causing this exchange. And, and he did it several times in the Bible. There was this one young man. He, everything was good. A God fearing family, a God feeling, fearing mother and father. And he said, I'm done with the church thing. I'm done with it. I said the same thing when I was 19. I'm done with it. I'm out. I'm gone. I'll see you later. Which I just realized was almost 20 years ago. What's going on here? I'm getting old. But most of you are older than me. Ha ha. Um. <laughs> but, but this young man said, I, I don't want to be around it anymore. And so he left and the Bible said that this young man, uh, let me use the exact words. He, he, uh, uh, let me see here. He lived without restraint. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. I'm going to do it. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. And what am I going to go to hell over this? I'm going to do whatever. He lived without restraint. He ran away from God. He ran away from his family. And he just did whatever he wanted to do. And then all of a sudden the Bible says, he came to his senses. How many of us have ever done that where we're just, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I'm sure God exists, but I'm done with this. But you can only get so far. It's kind of like um, when you're fishing 
and and you send out the the, the I'm not I'm a city slicker, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But you send out whatever you send out, and you press the button on the back. You got the He-Man thing right there on the wheel, and you send it out, and and uh, and a bass just bites it, and and you're supposed to set the hook. If I'm saying that right, am I saying that right, Christian? And and you just kind of pop it, right? You pop it, and you dig it in there deep, and that bass may be swimming around, going wherever it wants to go, and it's on your hook, and you know you got it set nice and good. He's swimming around, going around, and but he can't. He's only gonna get so far. He's only going to get so far. And there's this peace that a fisherman has once he set that hook. I'm just going to have a drink really quick. I, this is going to be fun. And all of a sudden that bass flips over and you see the white stomach. And you're like, I got you, baby. Have you ever talked to your fish? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? I'm a city slicker, but I did, I did learn that when you hold up your fish, if you hold it out, it looks bigger. Not as dumb as I look. It looks bigger. But but anyway, when that fish is swimming around, he can only get so far. And, and, and that was this son. He was out living any way he wanted to. And then all of a sudden, he came to his senses. You can stay as far gone as you try to be, but God will always be in the back of your mind. Church will always be in the back of your mind. You can't run from it. He's got a hook in you. Keeps pulling on you. He keeps pulling on you. That's why you're here today. Nobody can make you come to church. You're a grown man. He just keeps pulling on you. Keeps pulling on you. And he came to his senses. I want to share something with you. Yeah, he showed up and he had some stories to tell. He backed up and I believe that just in my own mindset that his father whispered to him, hey, you don't have to tell anybody where you've been. You don't have to tell anybody about the stories. Just tell them this. You don't look like what you've been through. Because he was wearing a ring, a brand new ring, a brand new robe, brand new sandals. There was a party for him. And all of a sudden, he just looked like a new man. He didn't look like what he's been through. See, God has this way. He has this way of of arming you to go through life, not without pain, but without stain. Have you ever met somebody and you're like, oh man, you... And then you find out their story and it's, wow. Yeah, they had pain, but there's no stain. I want to tell you, for those of you that have had an incredible amount of pain growing up, incredible amount of pain last summer, last year was a tough year for you. God has protected you in such a way you had pain, but there is no stain. You don't look like what you've been through. There was a prostitute named Rahab. This prostitute, man, she, she just worked the streets for years and years and years. And then finally there was that day and everybody has that day. It's that day where she said, today, I'm not living like I used to live. I'm not, not to say I'm not going to make mistakes, but I'm pursuing the Lord, the God of Israel. I'm going to pursue him. He's number one from here on out. It's just amazing what ended up happening to her life. She ended up marrying a man named Salmon. 
And her great, great, great grandchild was King David. And her great, 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 great grandchild was Jesus. It's amazing because you can look at Rahab and go, look at you. Everything's so perfect. You got this perfect man. You got this perfect life, this perfect house. I bet your life has been perfect your whole life, hasn't it, Rahab? Girlfriend, (laughs) my life doesn't look like what I've been through. You know what I would like to say to Rahab? I would like to say this. let Let me say it a different way. If Rahab were to take this microphone, I think that she would look at you and say with her, with her peppered past, she would say, do you have a peppered past? Do you have a past? She would say, don't forget your past because your future needs its experience. All the men in the room, all the men in the room, when you see a teenage boy come walking in like this, And, and his pants are hanging down to here. And you see his underwear and you want to say, under, under, underwear. It goes under, not out, under. And he comes walking in and you look at him in the eye and he goes, yes, sir. And you go, I know your game, bro. <laughs> or on the other end of the spectrum, they come in real pretty with a polo shirt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You look into his eyes. This is something that a man can do. After you played that game, you look at, I know what you're up to. Come on, man. If you have a daughter, you're just sitting there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and spit that filthy game. I'll kick you right out of here. <laughs> Even the ladies in the house, you see these girls come on, these teenage girls, you look at them and go, I know what you're up to. I know, I know, I know. Come on, ladies, wave your hand. I know what you're up to. I played that game before you were born. I wrote that game. Don't, don't take your past and be ashamed of it. You don't have to talk about it. You can just say, I don't look like what I've been through. And then use that experience because you're going to need it for the assignment that God has for you. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. You don't look like what you've been through. There was a woman at the, at the well. First marriage didn't work out. Second marriage didn't work out. Third marriage didn't work out. Fourth marriage didn't work out. Fifth marriage didn't work out. She is depressed, wondering if it's her or she just picks bad men or is she a bad woman? What is going on? I don't know what's happening. The level of depression. My dad's been married for 16 years and then there was a divorce and he went into a second marriage and he was just scared to death. My wife, her mom, her, her father got remarried, scared to death. Imagine five times the depression, the insecurity. Jesus meets her. Jesus looks at her and says, hey, let's trade. Let's trade. I, I'm going to take your sorrow, and I'm going to give you some joy. Let's trade. Just trust me. Just trust me. I know you don't know me, but just trust me. 
I've been paying, this is a word for somebody in this room. He's been paying attention to you while you were ignoring him. He never stopped paying attention to you. You are his love. He is consumed by you. If you were the only one on this earth, he still would have sent his son to die for you. There is nothing that you can do that can stop him from loving you. You are incredibly perfect. You say, oh, every plan I have has failed. The plans that have failed only failed because he had a better plan. Have you ever prayed to marry somebody and then you see him 10 years later and you're like, thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. Thank you, God. God has this way taking care of you, protecting you, hedging you in. You know, let me just share this with you. Every single saint, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. There's not a person in here that doesn't have a past. But what the Lord does, what what His thing is, is when he steps into somebody's life, everybody around him looks at him and goes, wow. You you don't look like what you've been through. And can I just tell you this? I'm looking at your faces. I see your faces. I talk with you in the lobby. I don't know your story, but I'd be shocked if I did. Because the Lord has been protecting you your entire life. Can we stand up and give him a standing ovation for that? Come on, he deserves it. Give him a standing ovation. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. I'd like our prayer partners to come down all throughout the room. If you're a prayer partner, come down. If you've ever been a prayer partner, you're still a prayer partner. So come on down. If everybody else would just please bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes... Are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? Nobody's looking around, but I promise you all of heaven is watching. If you have a loved one that has died and you know that they're in heaven, I promise you in in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that we're watched by a multitude of witnesses, your grandmother, your mother, your father. I don't know who it was. They're watching. Is is your life right with the Lord? If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you ready to see Jesus? If the answer is no, but today, Easter 2018, if today's the day where you begin to lock your eyes on him to the best of your ability, would you just raise your hand right where you are in this room? Raise it real high. See, I see hands flying up in every single section right now. In every single section, I see hands going up. Can we all just raise both hands as a sign of surrender? Let's celebration church. Would you raise your voice for me? Say, dear Jesus, 
I'm sorry for my sins. Will you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason why I had the prayer partners come down is because for some of you, Easter is not just a holiday. For some of you, um, Easter is the time where you remember what your Savior has done and you came here to worship Him. And after hearing this message, you're reminded that He's the one that fights your battles for you. In Psalms 56, 9, it says, Every single time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. If you're fighting a battle in your personal life right now, I want that battle to turn in your life every time you pray. And I want to share with you these people down here that are ready to pray with you. They'll only pray with you for about 30 seconds, but your whole battle will begin to shift in that 30 seconds. And these people have been hand-selected. You can't sign up to be a prayer partner. You can sign up for something else, but not a prayer partner. You're hand-selected. And and these people don't believe that God can. They believe that God will. It's a big difference. I want to invite you. Why don't you come out of your seat right now. Take the hand of a prayer partner. Let them pray with you. And the rest of you, there's open dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. If you want to sing the song one time through, that's totally fine. But may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and your family. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.